Best Friends Finance, because when women talk about money, it's worth a million. Hey, BFFs. Welcome to Best Friends Finance. Laura Ford here and my co-host, Amanda Kessler, and I are so glad to have you with us today. You know, we felt like this episode was just so important that we had to bring it back because we know that how we nourish our bodies affects not only our physical health, but also our financial and emotional health. And we're coming off of 2020, which undoubtedly has been one of the toughest years of all of our lives for so many reasons. So here we are airing this on December the 29th. You know, it's that time of the year where we all vow to do a whole host of things that most of us will not follow through on. But Amanda and I are living proof that this program absolutely works tried and true. So if you've been eating like a total jerk in 2020 and you're ready ready to create a sustainable balance in your daily life, you cannot afford to miss this episode with Amanda Nybert. We hope that you'll enjoy it as much as we did. And if you're ready to start your lean journey after you've taken a listen, head over to bestfriendsfinance.com. And in the show notes for episode 49, you can find a discount and the referral code BFF podcast. You guys, here's wishing all of you a very happy and safe new year. We cannot wait to see all of you and what's in store for all of us in 2021. Cheers. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Best Friends Finance. This is Amanda Kessler with my co-host, Laura Ford. And I am over the moon giddy about today's episode because we are talking about your physical wellness, which is so connected to financial wellness. You can't be well in one area and falling apart in another and be thriving in life. And our guest today is someone I'm a huge fan of, Amanda Nybert, registered dietitian. So Amanda has a program called Lean. And I'm going to tell you that I watched for months as so many of my friends did her program, which is a, a virtual platform They worked with her from all over the country, and they were posting their results. They were going nuts about how their bodies were changing, how their lives were changing. And I was like, whatever, because because I've done all the things. You know, I've done, I did the zone in the 90s. I did the Mediterranean diet. I did all of these things to to try to create a lifestyle of, of eating healthily that I could take with me everywhere. And I was kind of over it. But I honestly saw one more person who I totally trusted and respected and never hyped anything unless it was huge and wonderful and life-changing say, you really ought to try this. And so I did. And I worked with Amanda on her lean program um, starting last July, July of 2019. And it literally changed not just my body, but my gut, my health, my mental health, my relationship with food, the way I feel about myself, the way I feel my family. So I'm going to let her talk because I could go on all day, but um, I just wanted to share how impactful this kind of physical wellness is on all areas of our lives. So um, Amanda, can you tell us, we're, we're currently fil- or recording in the time of COVID-19 and we're all on stay-at-home orders. So who are you staying at home right now with and uh, where are you? Well, yay. Oh my gosh. It makes me so happy when I hear a client testimony like yours. So congratulations. Um, I'm Amanda Nyberg. Yes, I'm a registered dietitian. I actually live in Lexington, Kentucky, and I am quarantining with my two children. Um, I have a 14-year-old son, an 11-year-old daughter, and my husband. And we're just making the most of what we've got going on right now. 
Oh, I bet you are. Well, we follow you on Instagram, so we know you're making the most of it. So can you tell us a little bit about your professional background and your history as a registered dietitian? Yeah. So I have been a registered dietitian working in a hospital clinical setting since about 2000. And I specialized in weight loss for about 16 years. And then in 2017, well, it was really 2016, I was kind of at a moment in my life where I was like, you know what, I'm probably going to work for the next 20 years. And if I keep doing what I'm currently doing in this clinical setting, I'm probably going to be saying and doing the exact same thing in 20 years. And I'm absolutely going to be making the same amount of money. And that frustrated me because I just felt like I was worth more. I had the potential for more. And it was really at that moment where I was like, you know what, at this time, I'm either going to make a shift and do something different, or this is what my life is going to look like. And so um, at that time, I was like, let's do it and kind of jumped in this online space, the ability to work with clients kind of all over um, really the world. I have clients internationally and um, be able to scale my business by creating a, a group-based program called Lean, Living Energized and Nourished. So four years later, here I am. Tell us a little bit about how you did that and how you're using Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest. And where else did you say you're at? YouTube. YouTube to help you grow your business. Yeah. So I was, you know, in the clinical setting and and I really felt like I was making a huge impact in the clients that I was able to reach. Um, I kind of called myself the renegade dietitian because I was preaching nutrition in such a different way at that time, really for like the past 10 to 15 years, I was the dietitian saying, no, eat butter, eggs are okay. Don't fear fat. While everyone else was still living on, you know, fat-free ranch and spray butter. And I felt like the way that I was delivering the message and, and really showing, you know, my, my patients in the clinical setting, how the food guide pyramid actually created this massive issue of obesity and why it's completely wrong, really create these aha moments within them. You know, I would, I would teach them in a group-based program and then I would meet with them one-on-one and they're like, for the first time, it makes sense. And and you're able to simplify it in a way that now I understand it. So I'm able to implement it. So I knew that I kind of had a knack for, um, you know, making complicated matters around nutrition a, a lot more simple. And I was like, why am I just limiting it to these, you know, clinical patients? Like, what if I started putting that out on social media and was able to, you know, educate and teach people um, kind of all over the place. So that was really my initial strategy is that um, I, I started with nothing, no no website, no, no, no physical office, no business know-how. I just started putting out content around nutrition that I felt like people would appreciate and could utilize. And it created this, you know, kind of small snowball effect where um, I started to gain followers. I started out with 400, you know, Instagram followers, 400 um, Facebook followers. And over the next six to 12 months, just kind of slowly, steadily grew that through just simple content kind of putting out. Um, and during that time, you know, I, I wanted to start working with clients in that virtual setting. So I obviously, you know, began with one-on-one and then, you know, wanted to also um, monopolize on that 
that group setting opportunity. So I um, started to do that as well. I love the pivot. So, you know, Laura is a buyer for a retail store. I'm an attorney. We both ended up pivoting completely and going into e-commerce with online skincare businesses and now adding to that a financial podcast. So the idea that you figured out how to do something that you've done in such a specific way for so long, completely differently and and blowing it up is incredibly inspiring to me. Yeah, you know, and and it was because at the time I was I was 39 years old and I contemplated going back to school and, you know, maybe becoming a pharmacist, you know, like taking a completely different route. And uh, I just that in itself overwhelmed me. And I'm like, oh, well, if I do that, then I'm not looking at really pivoting for, you know, the next four to five years. And so um, it was scary to think about doing something so dramatically different when I was so old. <laughs> That's sad. That we think so old. old. I know. You know, now I'm like, oh no, I'm I'm a young buck in this, you know, field. But uh, so, you know, that's another thing that I always just really encourage fellow entrepreneurs or, you know, people out there looking to pivot is like, you're never too old and um, it's never too late to start. So um, I'm, I'm excited that I did it for sure. It's changed my life. Amanda, did you jump completely out of your clinical practice and then start and then start this? Or did you kind of have two things going at once from a financial standpoint? Like, how? Oh, did yeah. You- no, that's a great question. So, no, I this was honestly my story is I started this as a side hustle. Um, I, you know, I recognized that I wasn't, I didn't have any room for significant growth in my current position, but I had a really good gig. Like I would never consider leaving what I was doing unless something much better, you know, showed up. And so really my huge dissatisfaction is that I love to travel and we didn't have the extra income to, you know, take a fabulous vacation once or twice a year. So that was always what I felt like was limiting, you know, my my ultimate happiness was just the ability to tr- take a really nice vacation once or twice a year. So initially, my goal was I want to make an extra thousand dollars a month um, at, on this side hustle, so that I have an extra twelve thousand dollars a year, and we could take, you know, maybe one, two, three fabulous vacations with. So it was definitely a side hustle that um, I will say within 12 months, I ended up leaving my full-time job. So that that goal of $1,000 a month was really rapidly kind of blown out of the water um, with the, the kind of momentum that I created. So yeah, so I stayed with my full-time job um, for 12 months and then stepped away completely about a year later. So clearly you had a why that was driving you to do both because it's not easy. Like I was, we are huge fans of the side hustle and I started my side hustle in 2011 when I had a one-year-old, a three-year-old, and I was working as a lawyer a bajillion hours a week. So you have to (laughs) want to put that extra time in. But I felt the same way. I thought, gosh, you know, an extra thousand bucks a month would mean a lot to my family. And after, Mm -hmm. for me, it was three and a half years because I had to replace every dime but at three and a half years, I was able to walk away as well. And what a feeling when you've built something yourself. So I love stories like that. So empowering. 
So not only, obviously, the way we've done, we do business has changed in so many ways. I mean, you are now building a, a, a nutrition, food, health empire through Instagram mostly, which is incredible, um, which makes me think about how the way we eat has changed completely and how, what we've been told by experts. You know, I'm a kid of the 70s and 80s and the way we ate then was like three meals a day, you eat your three meals a day and you're good and you're done. And then at some point it flipped maybe in the 90s to grazing all day. Like I eat six, oh, eight yeah. meals a day. And I remember Jennifer Aniston was doing it. So I'm like, if Jen's doing it, it's good for me. So I started just grazing like a Holstein, all like, you know, 16 hours a day. Um, yeah. And now that script has flipped. So what's behind the drastic change in how we eat? Oh, I love that question. So you know, in 1977, the government came out with the Food Guide Pyramid. It was the first set of nutritional guidelines. And at that time, the the re nutritional recommendations that were created were, were really based on assumptions. There's very little scientific data that actually backs up what that Food Guide Pyramid stood for. Um, and the assumption was that um, energy, you know, weight balance, health balance is all about energy in versus energy out calories in versus calories out. So we need to create a um, health diet that's going to be calorically focused. And because of that, um, we came out with this low calorie, low fat diet. And the reason why fat was so villainized at that time is because for one gram of fat, you get nine calories. But for every gram of carbohydrates and protein, you get four calories. So again, the assumption was we got to reduce our fat intake to reduce our caloric intake to be healthier. So once these guidelines came out, manufacturers absolutely ran with this new data. I mean, if the government says it's the way it should be, it's the way it should be. So they started to take all the fat out of their food. And what did they add? Carbs and sugars. So we actually eat... Um, 25% less fat today than we did in 1977. And, but we actually eat four times the amount of carbs and sugars today that we did in 1977. And what we know now based on the endocrine system is that it's not about calories in versus calories out. It is definitely more about what you're eating versus kind of how much you're eating. And really carbs and sugars are what have driven this increase of obesity over the last, you know, four to five decades. So that was a big issue. And the problem is, is that the government doesn't like to admit that they were wrong. So it's been really hard to kind of backtrack from those guidelines. The other thing that's a big issue with regards to, you know, government mandated nutritional guidelines is that they're developed based on um, big money, you know, big business. So General Mills does not want you skipping breakfast. <laughs> they do not want you implementing intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating because breakfast is important to them. In addition, like you mentioned, we didn't have a category of foods that were called snacks back in the 70s and 80s. I remember coming home from high school, asking my mom for a snack, and she would smack my hand and say, no, you're going to ruin your dinner. And now we wonder, yes. you know, why our kids don't sit down and eat chicken and broccoli at dinner time? Well, because they just had a bowl of goldfish an hour ago. So we feel like if we're not feeding our children every two hours, they're going to die 
And then we get frustrated that they don't sit down at mealtime and actually eat real food. And that's because of the snack industry. So it's really those two big things that happened in the 19, you know, with that, that first set of food guide pyramids that dramatically shift the way we ate and our overall, you know, health status. You know, it's so funny. You mentioned like spray butter and fat free. And I was immediately transported back to college when I lived in a house with seven other girls and our our freezer was full of healthy choice mint chocolate yeah. chip ice cream yes. because it was fat free. And we, yeah. we would be like, oh, look, it's fat free. And we would come home from the bars at night after making poor choices make toast and then spray like half a bottle of spray butter on spray it butter. rather than just yeah. use a pat of real butter. Right. No. And, you know, you think back about like the hundred calorie snack packs, you know, and it was like, who could eat just 100 calorie snack pack? <laughs> so that whole generation of, you know, all of that fat free. I mean, I remember thinking, oh, it's fat free. I can eat as much of it as I want, you know, but, but everything. So I always say, when you pick up a bottle of regular ranch dressing, it has zero grams of carbohydrates and zero grams of sugar. But when you pick up a bottle of fat-free ranch dressing, it has five grams of carbohydrates and five grams of sugar. So all that oh, wow. fat-free, low-fat crap, because it, it doesn't even taste good. Like fat-free ranch does not taste good. It was is actually making us bigger because of that carbohydrate and sugar load. For sure. You, and just getting people to change their, I mean, I just gave up spray better in the last two years, maybe there's a huge shift. People have to adapt this way of thinking and eating. It's been ingrained in our head that fat is bad for you. It's probably the hardest macronutrient carbohydrates, proteins, and fats are, are called macronutrients for people to, um, reevaluate and reassess in their diet because they're just so fearful and because they still go to their doctor who's, you know, um, 60 years old, who has zero nutritional training, especially no updated nutritional training that's still telling them to eat a low fat, you know, low calorie diet. Um, so it, it is really hard. And I think that there is a big shift going on. It's a really important time to be thinking about maybe not so much weight loss. I mean, I know that that is always everybody's focus, but also just about the quality of the food that you're consuming, you know, um, with regards to how it's sourced and, and what's in it um, and how it impacts your body. Uh, Amanda talked about, you know, when we do lean, which actually stands for living, energized and nourished. I always say, you know, this is not a radical weight loss program. Um, you're not going to lose 30 pounds in seven weeks. There's a lot of things out there that you could do to lose a lot of weight really quickly. But there's a lot of things wrong with that. A, it's not sustainable. Um, and B, it, it, this is more about addressing your overall health and how you feel, getting you sleeping better, less bloated, getting your gut healthy, you know, ha getting more energy. All of those things are, are in my mind, probably more important than the, the simple movement of your, of your scale. I even just think like keeping a healthy immune system right now, like what that can do for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And trust me, I, I just was sent a huge, I, I was just, I've been, people have been sending me so stuff and there's a big 
um, you know, article that just came out talking about blood sugar levels and how they influence um, your vulnerability to the coronavirus. Um, and again, that's what this all comes down to is that, you know, overall health and wellness is about blood sugar management and insulin control. Insulin is the number one fat storing hormone in the body. And if you're not focused on managing your insulin levels, then your health in all areas is going to rapidly decline. And, and that's basically what we're seeing from a young age, um, you know, to even people that are, are middle-aged and older. Well, and another thing that people are always talking about, Amanda, is, you know, when you eat healthier, is it going to cost you more money? Yes, I love that. Yeah. You know, and here's the issue. I mean, the bottom line is, unfortunately, it is more expensive to eat healthier, but it doesn't have to be out of your budget. So I think that's important to note. Um, there's a huge campaign going on with regards to tackling this issue. The reason why bread, white bread is so cheap, the reason why potato chips are so cheap, the reason why Doritos and, and you know cookies and, and sugar and candy is so cheap is because of government subsidies. You know, we subsidize corn, um, wheat, and soy. So it is more profitable for farmers to grow those items. And those are the items that make junk food. And that's why junk food is so cheap. If we made a shift and actually subsidized fruits and vegetables and healthy foods and whole grains and things like that, then maybe broccoli would be cheaper than Doritos. And it probably should be that way. So ultimately, there is a campaign going on to kind of improve that. But healthy eating is going to, to cost a little bit more. However, with proper planning and preparation, it doesn't have to be that way. Here's, my, here's always my argument with the whole healthy eating is expensive. Most Americans consume up to 50% of their food outside their home. That's expensive. Okay. So there's no way that, um, I mean, if you go to a, a fast food place and you feed a family of four, you're going to easily spend $20, $25. You could 100% convert that to a healthy at home meal for far less. So, um, you know, with our kind of our culture of relying so much on eating out. Like that's the biggest thing I've been hearing from people during this time of quarantine is I've never cooked so much in my life. And, uh, you know, and I hope that people are recognizing that, you know, healthy eating is not hard. And just with a little planning and preparation, you can get healthy meals on the table really quick and easy. So that's kind of my, my feedback on um, the healthy eating is expensive. Pay the farmers now or pay the pharmacist later? There you go. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. <laughs> That's, That's exactly right. And, you know, this movement is really, you know, one of the things that, that they talk about, for example, is like the um, SNAP program, which is food stamps. And a lot of people are now on SNAP. And how our departments do not correlate with each other, do not communicate. So we have the, you know, um, Department of Nutrition, the FDA and all of that over here saying, yes, sugar's bad for you. 
carbohydrates are, you know, not good for you. We need to reduce that. We need to eat healthier in order to manage our healthcare and all of this stuff. And then we have the SNAP program over here that allows um, SNAP recipients to purchase soda. So um, Coca-Cola, I think the the number was um, that soda companies make almost a billion dollars from the government on soda sales through the SNAP program. Now, does that make you mad? So as a government, we're paying the soda company to basically accelerate obesity because we allow that to be purchased through the SNAP program, yet SNAP recipients are not allowed to buy a rotisserie chicken. So there's a lot of big issues with, again, all these levels of government and what we allow and and what we're paying for. So basically, you know, if you're, you know, SNAP, if you're having food stamps, we're allowing you to purchase pretty much unlimited amounts of junk food that then will turn around and then, you know, turn into elevated um, healthcare cost, which is the issue. You know, if you're saving money on buying white bread and, and pasta and, and, you know, um, junk food now, well, yeah, you're going to pay for it later with your prescriptions, with your health conditions, with your doctor bills, with your, you know, surgeries, your procedures, your admissions and, and all of those things. That is super upsetting. I mean, really, it is to think that to to make it more difficult for for people who are already struggling to stay healthy based on how they're subsidized. Exactly. You know, if we are if we are eliminating options like a rotisserie chicken, then why can't we eliminate options like soda as an approved um, purchase? And who doesn't love a rotisserie chicken? Come on. Exactly. Like, um, you want to talk about a healthy item that will save that will definitely save you time and money. That's the that's my go-to for sure. So I experienced kind of the opposite of healthy eating being more expensive um doing your program and I'll tell you why it was meal planning. For me, yeah. Being a working mom, I would willy-nilly, you know, run to the grocery store here and there a few times a week or go and just walk the aisles and spend $300. And so what I found was when I started specifically meal planning and sitting down and figuring out how I was going to feed my family for for the week, and then I would do it online. I would get out online, fill out my online grocery order, and go do pickup so I didn't have the temptation of the grocery store aisles. My grocery bills went down so much. Like I probably went from, I I think I spend about $100 a week um, just on our our core family meals. Of course, you know, you have kids, things, you know, get added here and there. I want this snack, damn snacks, but it really has reduced our overall grocery spending. So you really did open up meal planning to me. Can you talk about the importance of meal planning and, and what that does for people? Yeah, I think that's the other issue um, where healthy eating is expensive stigma comes around is that, you know, you make a commit, you're like, oh, I'm going to eat healthy this week. And so you go to the store and you load up on a ton of fresh veggies and all this healthy food with very little plan of how you're going to utilize it. And then you come home with $200 worth of groceries, again, with no plan. And then by the end of the week, you're throwing half of it out. And and that's that's the issue is that, you know, um, it's not shelf stable. So my method of meal planning is really to incorporate as much kind of prep during the weekend as possible. 
because I'm a, I, I'm just like my clients. I'm a busy, you know, working mom. I used to work like a nine to five full-time job um, and then run sports and do all the things and come home. You know, now I, I do, you know, kind of work from home, but now I work 24 hours a day. But um, so I didn't have time to, you know, cook and clean for an hour and a half each night. And I didn't want to, like when I got home, I was exhausted. So, you know, my whole theory of I'm going to make this really healthy, elaborate meal that, you know, I have a bunch of junk in the refrigerator to cook kind of went out the door because I was exhausted and tired. And so I just threw on some, you know, pasta and spaghetti type of thing. So my method of meal plan planning is really, um, I try to take one lunch that I'm going to eat about three to four times throughout the week. And so I'll prep that on Sunday. And I like to choose things like um, chicken salad, tuna salad, you know, something that I can make like a big bulk of and eat a couple of days. I love to make big soups that I can eat throughout the week. I love to make, um, I love a bag salad and rotisserie chicken. I love to make like mason jar salads. So that's really my um, strategy for tackling lunch is make one or two lunches that you're going to eat all week long. And then for dinner, I try to pick three or four dinners in which I'm going to cook for the week to come. And I try to do as much of the prep as possible on Sunday, because I find if I can spend about an hour, hour and a half on Sunday, making my lunches and prepping these three to four meals, it saves me seven to 10 hours throughout the week in prepping, chopping, you know, prepping, in cooking and in cleaning <laughs> in all of those three areas. So for example, if I'm going to make tacos, um, let's say I'm going to make tacos, let's say I'm going to make zoodles, and let's say I'm going to make a um, kind of a chicken stir fry. Well, I will go ahead and brown up my taco meat and then stick it in my refrigerator. So that's cooked and ready to go. In the same pan that I just browned my meat, I will go ahead and cook up my teriyaki chicken that I'm going to put in my chicken stir fry. Um, and then I will go ahead and like zoodle my zucchini and I'll chop up my veggies and I'll have them kind of all portioned out and ready to go. So when I come home and it's taco night, you know, all my onions are chopped, my peppers are chopped, my, my meat is cooked, you know, everything's ready. I basically am just assembling and reheating and that takes like 15 minutes, boom, you know, dinner's on the table. Same thing with like, the stir fry, like all I'm doing is kind of assembling and reheating everything. So it saves so much time and it saves so much cleanup. And so you're more apt to kind of get those healthy meals on the table quick. Plus you've already prepped it. It's ready to go. Cause my, my other thing with healthy eating is I always say, you know, when you come home from a long days of work, what you want to eat is a lot different than what you should eat. So if you don't have something kind of geared and ready to go, then you're probably going to make a poor choice because you're never like craving a taco salad, you know, or chicken stir fry. You're craving something, you know, like pizza or, um, you know, hamburgers and French fries. So I think that that strategy of doing that little bit of prep on the weekend helps to um, make you successful through the week. And in the lean program, you get a six week meal plan that's set up just like that. I show you exactly what to cook, what to prep, um, and you know, what to have in your refrigerator and then how to get it on the table 
quick and easy. And in my opinion, that's all the variety you need. <laughs> if you repeat that six-week plan every six weeks, well, you haven't had week one you know, for almost two months. So I think a lot of times people get in a rut um, with you know, kind of eating the same thing over and over. So having that kind of six-week plan um, gives you that variety you need to be successful. And then we just kind of fill in the blanks, you know, for the other um, three nights. Obviously, we're probably going to eat out, you know, one or two nights. We're going to do leftovers. We're going to do something kind of quick and easy. Um, because I find that if I try to prep seven healthy meals, <laughs> then mm-hmm. then I definitely end up wasting things. It's really, I mean, I will say that I resisted this for my adult life thinking I don't want to meal prep because I don't want to give up my Sunday afternoon or whatever thinking about this. It does not take that much time and it really has freed up the rest of my evenings to not be, you know, a monster with my family, especially be a monster. I'm not a monster with my family, but you know, we get a little frustrated trying to feed everybody. Yeah. Um, Especially lately when I feel like we're cooking 27 dinners a week. Oh you know, my every- gosh, I'm done. Right? My kids are living on like Lucky Charms right now. I mean, <laughs> it is oh rough times over here. Yeah. And it's so funny because I, I keep thinking about it. I'm like, it's, I mean, summertime, like we do this, you know, it's not out of the norm to have to feed your kids three meals a day. But I think that, again, I think when we look back and why we're struggling so much right now is because we rely so much on food outside the home. Mm-hmm. And if you think, and I look and I'm like, what do we do in the summer? Well, you know, we're at the pool, we're, you know, at a barbecue, we're, you know, you're on the go. So really, when you think about it, 50% of the food that you consume is 100% probably outside the home. Wow. And that gets expensive. Totally. Yes, that's the expensive part. So we've always believed that there's a connection between physical health and financial health. So based on what you've seen with your profession, how does your health impact your finances? Yeah, I definitely think that it's, you know, when you're looking at elevating your overall wellness, you have to look at every aspect of your life. Um, and, and I think that getting your overall health in check is important with regards to your finances for so many ways. Um, you know, one is just a man, a, a matter of energy and stress. You know, when you're, when you're overly stressed, when you lack energy, your, your production, your productivity is going to be lower. So maybe that's going to impact your business. Uh, maybe it's going to impact your work. Maybe it's going to impact your drive to build, you know, what you're working at, especially if you have like a side hustle. Um, I think that your health also impacts your, you know, financial well-being, like we mentioned in the long run. If you are, you know, cutting corners and saving money on, you know, food costs and living on kind of junk food, then you're going to be in bad shape um, in the future with regards to medical bills and prescription cost and, and things like that. Um, you also look at, you know, uh, lost productivity in terms of if you get sick or, or have to have an emergency or things like that, you know, that's going to um, impact your ability to work and, and hold down your job. So um, I think investing in your health is probably one of the, the best investments that you can make for yourself and for your family. Um, because I think it pays off, you know, tenfold in really every other aspect of your life. 
how you feel about yourself, how you project to others, how productive you are, and what you have the ability to accomplish. You know, what you've done with the Lean program, Amanda, that I think is so important is, and I know men do this too, but this is Best Friends Finance and we are focused on women, helping women put themselves higher on their own lists. Uh, I feel like, don't we tend to, we tend to martyr ourselves for everyone around us. And when we're doing that, I mean, you can't pour out of an empty cup. How are we serving our families and our communities if we're last on our list? And I think you're giving us license to invest some time and energy in our, our, our own well-being. Yeah. You know, it's always super powerful. You know, I, I guess for me, I don't have a problem of being selfish with my needs. Um, so in some cases, you know, I have a hard time relating to people that put themselves last on the totem pole. And I think it just comes down to the fact that my health is so important to me. And I recognize when, you know, I'm eating like crap and I'm not making time for my exercise and my self-care that I see how it negatively impacts me. But um, I see this trait in, I would say, you know, at least 50 to 60% of the women that, that I work with since day one is that, you know, they have ultimately sacrificed themselves and their health for the well-being of everybody else around them. And until you can find the ability to, to recognize that self-care is not selfish, it is not selfish to be selfish, then you really are going to be on a vicious cycle of failure because you have to take time for yourself uh, in order to succeed in, in all these levels in your life. And I think that a lot of women recognize this. It's kind of what we call kind of empty nester. You know, it's like once the kids leave the house and you've given your entire life to cooking and chauffeuring and sports practices and, you know, basically your identity is your children and your husband that all of a sudden you're like, what do I do now? You know, and and you're almost like lost, like you feel like you've lost your identity because it was so wrapped up in everybody else that, you know, I see that to be as very damaging to a lot of women at that time in their life. Whereas um, women that have been able to find balance between, you know, their girlfriends and their me time and and that stuff are I, I feel like they're able to make that transition a lot more effortlessly um, and successfully than um, those that are just, you know, serving others 100% of the time. Well, I can tell you as an empty nester, a few years ago, I quit cooking completely. And we started eating every meal out and I paid for that (laughs) in about 25 pounds. So yeah, and you know, and then then came the every evening having a nice glass of wine. And so, you know, you really you really do shift your mind really does shift because you think it's just kind of like a letdown period of, Woo, I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that's a big no, no. (laughs) If there's one thing I could share was don't do that. So the great news is anyone can work with you. Like you said, you have clients internationally everywhere. Your program is, you know, from the palm of your hand on your phone, which is fabulous. It was fabulous for me when I did work with you and and have continued to follow your program. 
I want you to give us the scoop on the lean program before you do. I'm just going to say my little commercial, um, what I experienced from what you taught me. First of all, I've had GI issues, TMI, for a decade. And it was just every day I knew this was going to happen and it was horrible, but it was just my life. And I figured I was just always, that's the way I was wired. And it was not. It turns out it was exactly related to the food I was eating and the choices I was making. So my gut health improved, my energy improved, my mood improved. And the part that really still like blows my mind is the idea that it actually resulted in fat loss. Because I feel like many people feel this way, like I'm a pear. I am this shape and I will be this shape my whole life. I will just be a smaller or larger version of the same shape. And eating your plan actually helped me change the shape of my body because it attacked the stored fat. So tell us, give us the scoop on the lean program and how our listeners can get themselves in lean if they're interested. Yeah. So lean living in our jazz and nerves. It's a seven week online virtual program. It's all run through my free private app. So, you know, no social media required. It's, it's really easy to kind of implement and and start using. Um, And my, and my goal is, is to really elevate your nutritional awareness. That's kind of number one. Um, I work with a lot of women who come to me and say, Amanda, I I eat really healthy, but I don't feel great. And I can't lose this last 10 pounds. Um, And I also work with a lot of women who, you know, Amanda, I eat like crap and I need to lose a hundred pounds. So the way that this program works is it really helps people at any point in their life in which they're at um, because of this kind of nutritional awareness. We focus on macro management. I talked a little bit about macronutrients, carbohydrates, proteins, and fats, because we now know based on the information that we know about the endocrine system and how the body stores fat versus burning fat, we now know that it's more important to balance out your macronutrients in a certain way than it is about how many calories you're consuming. And that's a really new concept for people Um, to kind of look at. And so when people shift from looking at calories to this macronutrient control, it's when the light bulbs open up. Um, And I always like to relate it to, you know, maybe you loved a a large sweet tea, you know, um, every couple of days, and you didn't think it was so bad for you because it was only 150 calories because all the calories are listed on the board of any, you know, kind of fast food restaurant. But once I start to teach you how to look at macronutrients, you're going to be shocked to realize that that large sweet tea has 75 grams of carbohydrates. And that's what's holding you back is your inability to control your carbohydrates. So the average American eats 400 to 500 carbs a day, even in caloric restriction. And that is why you can't see results. That's why your oatmeal and your granola and your your fruit, you know, all of those foods, while they're healthy, they add up to your bottom line. So that's really um, a unique concept that we kind of focus on with regards to that macronutrient, that macro management. In addition, we talk about time-restricted eating. So we want to get out of this whole concept of six small meals a day, which is actually promoting more fat storage than fat loss. So we, we try to reduce your eating window closer to where it was in the 1970s. So basically prior to the food guide pyramid, um, our eating window was 10 hours. We had breakfast at eight, we had lunch at 12 and we had dinner at five 30. 
There was no snacking. There was no late night eating. That's just how it was. And so by default, we fasted every night for about 12 to 14 hours. We just didn't call it that. Now we're eating from six in the morning till 10 at night, meaning our eating window is now 15 to 16 hours long. And we're fasting for, you know, eight hours. And that has significantly shifted um, our body's ability to, to store more fat. So getting my clients back to that more traditional eating window of, say, eight to 10 hours, um, they see great results with that. So time-restricted eating is another kind of pillar to the lean program. And then, you know, the last thing that we bring in is whole food nutrition, um, I try to teach my clients how to incorporate a low inflammatory diet. Um, we focus on eating a lot of protein, a lot of veggie, not a lot of protein, but quality protein, a lot of veggies, quality fruits. And then we aim to be gluten-free and dairy-free as much as possible um, because those foods create a lot of inflammation um, in the body. So I work with a lot of women who are like, I mean, I'm all, I always feel bloated. I always feel sluggish. I've got bowel issues. I've got constipation issues. And typically when we pull those foods out, they feel so much better. That abdominal bloat goes away, that energy level spikes. And, and I'm, I am not a teetotaler in any way. I'm, I, you know, am really all about progress, not perfection. So there's nothing off the table in the lean program. Um, so, you know, if you want to have a cocktail, you get a cocktail. If you want to have pizza, you get pizza. But it's really all about creating that balance and recognizing the foods that we consume in moderation and the foods we use on a daily basis. So um, those three things in combined with increased activity, because I always say diet is 80%. You can't out exercise a bad diet. And so many people use their <clears throat> inability to exercise or their despise of exercise as a barrier to starting um, that I want to make sure that they realize that, you know, this is really about what you're putting in your mouth versus the calories that you're burning through exercise. So make that your priority first and foremost. Progress over perfection is what made it so doable for me. I mean, this yeah. it's something, it's not a diet, it's just a way to live that allows you to be your healthiest and your body to perform at its best forever. And if you if, yeah. if there were total limitations on things, I think that just that's terrifying to people. Well, it's not sustainable, you know. And I always say, you know, you can you can do, you know, low carb or keto and you can do it for, you know, a period of time, but the minute it's Cinco de Mayo and we're eating chips and sauce and drinking margaritas, you've blown it. And then you get frustrated and you give up. So um, I think that I, I relate to my clients. I think my clients relate to me because I'm social. I like to drink wine. I love chips and salsa. I love margaritas. You know, I'm all about that balance and I live that balance lifestyle. And so they can relate to that. Like, oh, well, she can do it. I can do it too. And then I think the, the, the last thing that really sets the lean program apart is absolutely the daily support and accountability. Um, mm -hmm. The fact that you are checking in on a daily basis and that me and my team are giving you feedback and support, we're making tweaks, we're supporting your, your questions, we're encouraging you, know, you when you're struggling, um, we are emailing you when we don't see you active. 
um, I think that that's really what um, elevates um, this program is that we we work really hard to prevent you from failing in any way possible. It's like it, for seven weeks, we're going to be on you and we're going to stay on you. Um, and we hope that at the end of seven weeks that, you know, now you see this as a sustainable lifestyle. Does your program start every seven weeks? So you're not just constantly in having enrollments or how does that work? So, um, I start a new session about every two weeks. Okay. So I have three sessions going on typically at, um, each time. Yeah. Because, I couldn't wait seven weeks because people are always just really eager to kind of jump in. So typically, as soon as the the a session starts, within two weeks, a, another session will begin. So um, there's always opportunity to kind of jump in. And and the way that um, you know my programs work because obviously I want to empower you. I want to give you the knowledge and and for you to be able to after the seven weeks go out and do this on your own. And a lot of my clients do that. Um, but then I also have follow-up sessions. So I basically have a repeater session that you can roll right into um, and you get like a $70 discount. So it's very heavily discounted. And in that session, we really focus on the mindset, the back on track, the ability to stay motivated in the long term. You know, the things where people kind of struggle with, with long-term change and long-term success. And then after that, for people, because people really dial in and, and find that success with that daily support and accountability. After that, I have, have a monthly group um, that's kind of ongoing where you can roll into and we do different challenges and we have different guest speakers come in and um, educate us on different topics. And, and again, just all about kind of supporting my client through this kind of long-term health and wellness journey. So lots of options once you tap into your initial lean session. So the great news is at any point that someone says, okay, I'm ready to make a change and I'm ready to give this a try, there's a new session that's about to start. And Amanda is giving us a coupon code. So we're going to have a referral code in the show notes um, at bestfriendsfinance.com. And is that any session that they start if they don't, if it's not necessarily the next one after this, this episode? Yeah, no. I mean, right now I have about six sessions online and you can pick whichever session you want. Great. And we always ask our guests to help us out by leaving our listeners with a weekly win. One small change that our listeners could implement this week that's going to um, bring a positive effect to their life, be it financial or otherwise. Do you have an easy weekly win for our listeners? Oh, yes. And it's free. So we love a free tip. Um, My biggest tip that will make the biggest impact on your overall health is to consume at least 60 to 80 ounces of water a day, period. I'm sitting here with my giant water bottle full of electrolytes, thanks to you. And I'm about to go drink bulletproof coffee, thanks to you. Because here's the thing is that a lot of people think they're hungry all day. um, And the signal for hunger and thirst is exactly the same. So when we stay well hydrated, specifically with water, electrolyte water, it manages your hunger. It reduces your cravings. It helps you eat less. It helps you feel better, more energy. So there's just a huge snowball effect with that simple kind of daily strategy. Well, Amanda, this conversation has been worth a million. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. 
You are so welcome. Thanks for having me. I've had so much fun. The economy of food and nutrition is so relevant to us here at Best Friends Finance. From meal planning and prep, saving us time, saving us money, and eliminating food waste, to nutrition as almost preventative care to help us avoid those costly conditions later in life like heart disease and type 1 diabetes. Amanda makes it all make sense. So guys, I'm going to get a little vulnerable here. Clearly, I am a huge fan of Amanda Nybert and her lean program, so much so that I believe in it with near religious fervor. Therefore, I'm sharing my results with you. That's right. If you go on over to bestfriendsfinance.com and check out the show notes for episode 17, you're going to find my before and after pictures. Holy vulnerability. But I want to share with you why I believe in this so much. First of all, as I shared, my gut health has improved immensely and I just feel incredible, so much better. But secondly, I lost 10 pounds, almost eight inches and 5% body fat working with Amanda. And I've kept it off because this program is flexible. It's all about progress over perfection. And it's just a way to nourish your body for life that's going to make you run much more like a well-oiled machine than you have in the past. It is so worth it. So go to bestfriendsfinance.com, episode 17. You'll see my results. You'll find everything you need to know about lean and where to find Amanda. And you're going to find a referral code. Amanda has been lovely enough to offer our listeners $20 off through May 11th, 2020. So that's the next six days. But after that, it's still going to work for $10 off. So you might as well save yourself some cash if you're going to do lean. The referral code is BFF Podcast, B-F-F-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, all caps, BFF Podcast. Thanks so much for spending some time with us today. Until next time. 